Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about working in the outpatient orthopedic setting, but focusing on neurological patients. We talk about fat pad irritation and how that may reduce your amount of range of motion or mobility of the knee. And then we talk about, wait, don't tell me, the specific adaptations you should expect with plyometric training. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We have uh, a little bit more of a quaint episode today. Is that a good word? Quaint? Intimate. 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 Like, a, like, a, like an acoustic show with your favorite rock star. It's wow. just the guitar. And, oh, pretty good. Yeah. Pearl Jam unplugged. Like we're like a little closer to the camera, like we're zoomed in a little bit, or a little closer to you guys. Uh, but anyway, welcome back. I'm here with Lenny McCrina, Dave Tilly, answering your questions. We got a few nice questions for you guys today. Head to MikeRinald.com, click on that podcast link, and you guys can ask us anything you guys want. There's a nice form to fill out, uh, and and we'll get started, right? I mean, yeah. so intimate. Let's just get TBT 2014 when the podcast first started. TBT. Throwback uh, throw Thursday. Back, th- throwback thir- Just Thursday. Just the three of us. BRB. I want to close the door. We usually, LOL. <laughs> we usually put this on Thursday. Yeah. So this is a what is it? TBT, TBT Throwback Thursday. To when we the yeah, three of us just, just the did three it. of us. That's right. Before all these. I know. Now there's all these extra people. I feel like you know. Let's just get back to our roots. Roots. Mm-hmm. Mike Mike Ronald unplugged. Intimate. <laughs> Intimate per day of Tilly. So. Anyway, we have Casey in the Sunshine Band, K-Cup, yes. Kevin Coughlin, Arsene, Casey and JoJo. <laughs> Casey and JoJo in the Sunshine Band, Casey K- K-Cup, Kevin Coughlin from UMass Lowell. I think we just get more and more extravagant. Yeah. Drew Doobie Doobie Dudak. <laughs> he loves it. From the College of University of Belmont. You're never going to live that down when you go back to school. And Nikhil Shaquille O'Neal Harani from the... Don't... Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. I was going to say, you're on fire. <laughs> I know. It's almost a good episode. Too good to right be there. true. All right, Drew, you're going to exert not today. dominance? Go you're first, not going first again today? Uh-huh. Selfless, mm. humble leader. Right. Nikhil, he's, okay. he's going for the assist. He's going for a triple trouble. I just want to say, <laughs> say Nikhil's hair looks great today. Thank great you. hair, buddy. I showered. Yeah, it's good. It helps. Fantastic. First up, Morgan from Arkansas. I'm moving to a small town soon where I'll be completing my clinicals and live after I graduate school. Since it is a small town, neuro patients go to the ortho outpatient clinics. I would like to be a neurotherapist in an outpatient clinic. Do you have any tips on how to market myself to ortho out, uh, therapist in outpatient? Uh, That's an interesting Good question. but tricky one. It's yeah. actually, uh, t- I think the tips are easy. No ortho wants to work with neuropatients. Yeah. So yeah, you're you able to market to yeah, yeah. All right. So you are um, you're going you're, you're you're going to outpatient clinic, but you like neuro. What? Yeah. And it's a small community, rural town, or something yeah. like that. So everybody kind of goes to one place. What kind of neuro do you think that is? Is that stroke, like rehab, stroke stuff? Maybe yeah. some yeah. brain injury. That's what I was I was, I was yeah. thinking. Spinal cord injury, maybe. Man, I, the first thing that comes to my head isn't. But I, I guess this isn't physical therapy in America at least right now. But like, man, wouldn't that that be a great collaborative team 
totally. If like the ortho PTs and the neuro PTs OTs. work together, and the OTs work, instead of saying, "Well, that's my patient, that's your patient," just say, right. "Like, hey, you work on his rigidity, you work on that, I'll work on ADLs, some some of like the that, neuro yeah. stuff like that," and you actually like kind of half co-treat or something mm, like that. That's really cool. I mean, that that that's the first thing I thought, but I, that's probably not going to happen. Mm. So <laughs> I, I I mean I mean uh, on, to, to go to your question, I guess, how do you mark yourself as the neuro guy? Man, I think if you just t- start telling everyone in the world that that's what you love, yeah, you, right. love you love doing the neuro, and you, you tell the front desk, hey, give me all the neuro evals, I want to treat those people, right. I think the orthos will be thrilled yeah. to have you take that off their caseload. Um, you know, it's, it's different. Man, I sure hope your boss schedules things different, right? Like that can't. That's like an hour. You yeah, know. that that can't be like a you know four people an hour kind of situation. Right. But yeah, I think you go to the doctor's appointments a couple times with people, and you meet those those you know those few docs that are in the area that are sending people out to outpatient rehab. And once they see somebody so passionate, it sounds like you are and want to be. I think it's a no-brainer. They're going to send you that's people. A, that's yeah. a great idea. I would, yeah, I would also say too, like it's almost. It's, you can think of the parallels in sports PT. What we do is like we treat a lot of high school, college, pro athletes, but each of us has our own baseball, gymnastics, golf, whatever. I think neuro is the same time. I mean, that's a huge field, even yeah. in neuro, like Parkinson's, right. stroke, TBI. Oh, yeah. To stay current on that literature is yeah. so hard. So I would say pick a few things that like you're really passionate about, like working with spinal cord injuries or working with whatever TBIs and. I wouldn't say not treating the other ones, but really focus on a few that you can like dominate because that's that's a hard field to stay up with. Right, and do what you're passionate about, but yeah. also maybe what's in your community, right? So mm-hmm. maybe you're seeing a ton of you know stroke or yep. or something like you know like, like Dave said, you know, and try to stick to that. But I like it, you know, go to the doctor appointments. Props to so, you, yeah, yeah, you, and then start said, a blog. He's <laughs> probably not that. Um, but you know, maybe it's not marketing to the other physical therapists necessarily, but it's and knowing that the neuro docs can have a go-to resource and it's not just like another generic PT outpatient place and that you specialize in that. I think that's such a niche and it's such a like a small gap to fill that I, I don't think you're going to have any trouble with that. No, no, no. So, yeah. Awesome. What's next? Cool. All right. So we have John from Fort Worth. Do you see much fat pad irritation and stiffness with your knee surgeries? All right, fat, I think I understood that. Fat pad? Yeah. <laughs> I know Lenny's response. Right? I let think me, it let, sees us more than we see it. <laughs> let, me tr- let me translate Drew, though, for the, uh, for the crowd, though. So he said, do we, have, um, do we see fat pad irritation after knee surgery? And stiffness. And stiffness. So a fat pad doesn't get stiff. But yeah, but I guess, but maybe knee stiffness. Yeah. So fat pad irritation and knee stiffness. So, I mean, Len, what do you think? You want to start with this one? Um, it depends on the surgery. Um, depends on the aggressiveness of the PT and the doc. Um, technical surgery the technical aspect of the surgeon doing the surgery but so to answer your question sometimes sometimes it happens if the person heals well or they have comorbidities um you know acls they can get stiff but i think the key is recognizing it that it's a, it's happening the end feel feels different the pain is localized to the front of the knee like specifically because if they're doing a scope they go through the fat pads when they when they're going in to uh, scope the knee and do the work so you know, inherently the fat pads are now disrupted and they're going to scar down and get a little fibrotic. So you see it, you know, pretty frequently and pretty commonly. The, the key is mobility, get them moving, frequent bouts of range of motion, prevent it from scarring down too much, you know, because it's going to happen. Yeah. Fat pads are highly vascularized. I have, a, yeah. I have like a sub question because I don't have as much experience with like post op ACLs, but the time I can see it most commonly would be if somebody doesn't do motion early, gets a small cyclops lesion and then they. Yeah, the therapist can't embrace reality that like you need to go back to the surgery yeah. and crank it on an extension. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen that where it's like? Yeah, it's, it's, we see it a lot. I don't know. Docs are getting more conservative. Uh, you know, we're in Boston. 
Um, and some of them are holding rehab for two weeks after ACLs, which is crazy. So the person's just told, you know, do quad sets and just let it heal. And then two weeks later, you start your PT, which to me is just mind-blowing. And the people that I've seen, you know, I've had a couple Cyclops lesions. I don't want to blame that, but you know what I mean? There's other factors that could be involved with that. But I think getting the joint, blocking the joint and you're just scarring down early and never be able to get over that hump. And you just, you're fighting, you're fighting it. And by six weeks, eight weeks, you got to recognize that there's more going on here than just stiffness. So good answers. I think you guys both answered that really well. Uh, let me, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning and let me ask again. How, we talk a lot about knee stiffness after surgery. How many times do you think that's from the fat back? Because we just, you, we just totally yeah, No, out. right, yeah. yeah. The, the question was specific to the fat pad. Fat, I don't think the fat pad is causing stiffness. The fat pad pain is going to cause maybe some guarding by the person yeah. who's going to block you from doing range of motion, block you from allowing them to bite, or they're going to be in so much pain they're not going to do their homework, meaning range of motion exercises. It, it comes down to motion. I think most of the things that we do in PT is about mobility, motion, and then, about, and then getting the strengthening on top of that. And if they can't move because they're in pain, it's not the fat pads that are physically blocking the joint. Yeah, it's scarring, it's capsular, you know, tightening. It's uh, so many other variables, and that's so, yeah, that's like a secondary question. why you got to get in so early because I think that a lot of therapists, unfortunately, are like going a little too aggressive day zero to day seven. Yeah, so if you get somebody in just like basics, man, like after yeah. massage, pain, basic motion, like you can help relieve a lot of that. They just right. stabbed you with an arthroscope right. through a fat pad. Yeah, maybe that'll prevent. And, and I, I've even in my career when I was you know a younger PT, they would do some people would do so well early on. You're like, all right, let's push it. Because I want it now they're doing well and then they get stiff because you've pushed it too much, you've created a, a swollen knee or you've created a little bit more pain and you're you're almost playing to the person, like, look, we can press this, we can push this even further because you're doing so well and then you hit this roadblock. So you gotta be cautious as well with that. Well, nice. well said. Love it. All right, what do we got? K Cup. All right, we got Sean is that from a New York. Chromebook, by the way? It is, yeah. Get yeah, Chromebook. Uh, Look at you. School required. <laughs> yeah, is that like part of your uh, is that part of your thing? No, I love it. I Chromebook. I'm like um Chromebooks are gonna be the future. As a Google shareholder. Google Drive, yeah. Yeah, but aren't you an Apple shareholder? That too. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Microsoft shareholder. Hypocritical. <laughs> anyway, sorry, all right. All right. One pace Chromebook it away. KC Chromebook K Cup. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Sean from New York. Hey Mike, loving the podcast. It's a great supplement to my current coursework. I'm currently an athletic training student at Marist College in New York and plan on sitting for my CSCS in addition to my ATC next spring and plan on going into the strength and conditioning realm. My question, what are the expected adaptations to plyometric programming? Nice. Quick question. Was a nice intro. Still I like that. That was good though. Book. Actually, liked hearing about you. That was good. All right. So plyometrics. What are the adaptations that we're doing for? I, I think a lot of people confuse plyometrics with like power drills, mm. and there's a big difference between plyometrics and power drills. You know, the I, I guess I'll start and just say the whole concept or the reason why plyometrics are performed, or the reason why we have plyometrics is to be able to both dissipate and produce force. Right, and more importantly, it's about the transition between that application. Yeah. Amortization. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you if you go into the plyometrics and you kind of talk about like what is the um, uh, the the basis behind plyometrics and stuff, um, it, it's about getting that stretch shortening cycle of the muscle, and that like Dave kind of alluded to is the the amortization phase, which is kind of in the middle. That's from kind of like the catch, right, where you kind of slow down and then you explode back up concentrically. The key to plyometrics is to train the body to 
decrease the amortization phase. Mm. Decrease that so that way you can you can transition that that dissipation to the production of force as fast as you can. And th that to me is the number one adaptation you yeah. should be trying to get. Not power output, not your ability to generate force, but your ability to be able to transition from that kind of catch phase to the explode phase. That's the adaptation you can Now don't get me wrong, that's gonna have subsequent carryover, right? Mm -hmm. And you will get more power, but that if you're not focusing on that, then you're probably teaching the exercise wrong, right? What do you guys think? Yeah, so I just read like a bunch of strength conditioning text writing um, for the book that I had on like what are the physiological adaptations to it. So it's just like a lot of things when you PT, there's like you have the neurological side, then you have like the true tissue side, right? So neurologically is what most people think of as like tuning of the stretch reflex. Um, they think there's a lot of central mechanisms of like pre-activation of the muscle, like before you hit anticipatory. Um, so you have a lot of like local spinal reflex changes, but you also, which I was very surprised for, is there's um, a couple of studies that show hypertrophy of the tissue, the muscular tissue around the tendon um, with a lot of plyometrics, and that you also have some elasticity, viscoelasticity property changes of the tendon. And it gets kind of tricky because it's like, what's the optimal stiffness? You don't want someone to be so stiff, they can't move their range of motion, but you don't want someone to be so loose, they can't absorb, and they have a super long amortization phase. So, But that's like what the research suggests is two parallel effects of plyos. Nice. What about mechanotransduction? That's actually, yeah, that's how you get hypertrophy. Duh. Epi it's epigenetically, too. Correct. Duh. I'm learning. Endogenous growth hormone for epigenetic changes of receptors. <laughs> I mean, you can't beat that answer for these two right here. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Great episode. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Please head to uh, MikeRonald.com, click on that podcast link and fill out the form. You can ask us more questions. Uh, try to stimulate Dave's brain thoughts as much as we possibly can. We do it. Try to work the word mechanotransduction no. into your... Epigenetic neurobiomechanical. <laughs> neurobiomechanical into your thing. We've watched this episode in two years when the research comes out as a lit review in PT. We're like, we should be doing this. I think this is like officially our first catchphrase, I think. Yeah. It started from two years ago. <laughs> yeah. My first podcast. Neuro Biomechanical. I was so nervous. That, that was your ne first one. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, you got the neurobiomechanical changes. I'm like sitting between you two, and I was like, oh my god, I'm terrified of my bosses. <laughs> Neurobiomechanical. Just throwing big words out. I think that's a t-shirt. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Do that neuro I don't want it. epigenetic neurobiomechanical. Hashtag. That's pretty solid. Anyway, you know what to do. See you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to mikerinal.com/podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.